to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 or give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Well, we're, we are wrapping up our series that we've called The Fruit of the Spirit, taking a look at this. And uh, it's been a really beautiful series. Uh, next week, my wife is going to talk to us about self-control because I am not speaking on that. And, uh, and it'll be Palm Sunday, hard to believe, right? And then our following week's gonna be Easter. And we've been talking about these fruits that grow within us when we're connected to the spirit of God, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And what, what I love about, about these when I think about them is that I don't care if you're a spiritual person, that these should at least excite you. They should at least be something when you think about the future of your life, when you think about the end of your days here on this planet, what you want people to say of you, my guess is that you probably would love to say, uh, have people say of you, oh, they were loving, or oh, they were filled with joy, or they were peaceful, or they were, man, they were so faithful, or they had so much self-control, or, or above all things, they were kind. It's interesting how the human spirit actually craves these things. It would make sense then that we were designed to have these grow within us. And anything else I would actually suggest to you is a violation of your design. That any other fruit that grows from within you is actually a violation of what you are designed for. And so really right before this, Paul talks about things like hatred and discord and jealousy and rage and selfishness and dissension and and envy. That, That those things, when we talk about those, no one says at the end of their days, what I love to be known for is being a really jealous human being, right? No one says, man, I would love some more hatred in my life. But when I talk to people, it's amazing. When I make a list of a whole group of people around what they want to be known for in life, almost all of these fruits immediately show up, whether they're a person who is connected to Jesus or not, because our spirit longs for these things. This series has really been about the environment that you were made to live in and the fruit that comes from it. And hopefully over the last few weeks, you've gotten the message loud and clear that these are not things that you have to strive for. That our goal over these weeks has not been that you would go out and go, oh man, I, I gotta really, really work on being kind, or I gotta really, really focus on and hunker down on loving people, or I gotta, I gotta really try to be gentle. That these are just naturally produced when your life connects to the Spirit of God. And that the environment becomes so healthy that these things spring up within us. These aren't elements we strive for, but they're, they're just natural fruit when we abide in. Now here's the thing. I get that some of these fruits are sexier than others, right? Like, like even the first few are like love, love, that's a big, like love, right? Joy, that's like, oh man, I would love to have some joy in my life. Even peace, kindness, goodness, right? Let's just take all those and go, yeah, those are exciting. Sign me up for some peace. Sign me up for some joy. Sign me up for some love. Even some gentleness, right? For those of us who are a little on the harsher end, for even those, we're like, yeah, I'll take some gentleness. Today's is probably one of the hardest for us, next to self-control, and it's faithfulness. 
And here's why I think that faithfulness is one of the more difficult fruits to accept, to get excited about, to, to find attractive in our lives. It's because this, is that if there was a human factory default, that when we come out of the womb and we're born into this life, that all of us have a similar human factory default, and that human factory default is foolishness. That all of us are born foolish. So if you ever feel foolish, just take a deep breath and go, oh, this is my factory default. <laughs> because here's the thing. Foolishness is simply not knowing the connection between cause and effect. Like, I don't, I don't understand that when I do this, this happens. Or I, I don't really get that when I don't do this, this doesn't happen over here. And here's the thing is as human beings, we don't have all of the connections between cause and effect. We, those haven't all been hardwired into our brain. In fact, we have to learn them as we get older. Part of our parenting workshop that we went through was talking about how horrifying it is to be a child in the world and why children actually crave boundaries because they haven't made the connections between cause and effect in their mind. They don't understand that when they stick a fork in the light socket that they're going to get hurt, right? The other day, I walked into the room and Colin was sitting there. He was done with his breakfast. He had his Cocoa Krispies. No, we can't even afford, we, we do like the Malto meal. I think they're called Dino Krispies, right? And, uh, and he was finishing those. And I go to the bathroom and I come back in and Colin has his hands in the bowl of milk, just like rinsing his hands like this. Chocolate milk all over his clothes, all over the table. And I walk in, deep breath. Hey, buddy, what you, what you doing there? I don't know. Is there a reason why you're sticking your hands in the bowl of chocolate milk? No. Did you think through what you're going to do after that? No. Right? <laughs> and so I helped him talk to him. Hey, buddy, do you notice you don't have a napkin? It's all over the table. What are we going to do about that? How are we going to get to the bathroom from here? Uh, what are we going to do to get the water on? Well, I helped him walk through that. And you could tell in his brain, oh, all the connections had not been made, right? And in that moment, I helped him to make all of the connections that are there. And part of growing in our spiritual journey is learning the connections between cause and effect. And that's part of the journey. In fact, people come to me with all kinds of interesting questions all the time. And they oftentimes ask me, is this a sin? And it's usually asked like in this, they'll just be like, is this okay with God or you, right? And it's interesting because just the other day, I had someone come to me and they're like, look, is it okay to smoke weed? And I was like, oh, this is, a, this is kind of a nuanced question, right? And I was like, tell me more. And they're like, well, I'm actually wondering, is it okay to smoke weed in front of my kids in the backyard? And I'm like, well, that's even a more nuanced question with all of that. And here's the thing. As I thought, I was like, you know what? Some things aren't sinful. Some things are just stupid, yes. right? Not everything has to be a sin. Some things can just be stupid because when you make the connection between cause and effect, you can go, oh yeah, this might end up in an interesting place on the other side with this. Yes. So, so the question is, how as human beings do we get out of this default? How do we get out of the factory default of not understanding the connection between cause and effect and moving forward? And here's the thing. What I have found and what I've seen over and over again in the scriptures is that we get out of the foolish cycle by engaging this spiritual act of faithfulness. And faithfulness is this. It's doing the right thing over and over and over and over again. See, it, it is boring, and, and, but here's what happens is we start recognizing like, oh, every time I do A, B happens, right? Every time I eat healthy, I feel better. 
Every time I tell the truth, my life gains some momentum on the other side. Every time I choose community, my life becomes whole. Or on the flip side, every time I refrain from A, B does or doesn't happen. Every time I choose to not yell at my spouse, spouse, we can have like a real conversation about what needs to be had over here. Every time I choose to not give in to fear, I experience some new level of freedom over here. Every time I choose to not let bitterness run my life, I find some type of an abundance on the other side over here. And repeating this over and over and over and over again actually gets you out of your human default of foolishness. And that sounds simple, doesn't it? It actually sounds, we could just go home and save the time, let's go get tacos, have a good day, right? Let's not, but here's the thing. Even though it seems so simple, isn't this so hard? It's actually one of the hardest things for us as human beings to engage in. See, because here's the thing. The, world, the word faithfulness is, is made up of two really powerful words. Remember those like Sesame Street videos where it was like, k-at, 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 cat, right? This is kind of like this. So it's, the word faithfulness starts out with this word faith, right? And we love the word faith because it's like, look, what does it look like to live a risk, to believe for the impossible, to walk on water? You're like, sign me up for faith, right? And then the other part of this is fullness, abundance, life pulsing through us, overflowing, more than enough. We're like, yes, sign me up for fullness. Sign me up for faith. Sign me up for fullness. Sign me up for faithfulness. Ugh. Right? There's something about that that's, that's way, way, way not as attractive as the idea of living in faith or living in fullness. But I'm going to ask you to consider that faithfulness is the pathway to the life of impossible abundance. Yes. That it is the pathway to living a life of unthinkable resource that comes your way when you engage in it. I love this parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 19. It says this. When they were listening to this, he went out to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. And he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minutes. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But the subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your menace has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second man came and said, Sir, your menace has earned five more. The master said, You take charge of five minutes. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your minna. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth, I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you do not put in and reap what you did not sow. And his master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put your money on deposit so that when it came back, I could have at least collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his minna, take it away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minna. Sir, they said, he already has 10 he replied, I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given. But as far as the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. This is a harsh parable, right? 
This lets us know actually how God holds faithfulness in the context of his kingdom. Because here's the thing. We have been entrusted by God with so much. Whether you're aware of that or not, welcome to the reality today. You have been entrusted with the very breath in your lungs. You have been entrusted with the thoughts in your mind. You have been entrusted with time and energy. You have been trusted with creativity and resources. You have been trusted with the influence of other people, whether you're aware of that or not. You've been entrusted with talents and experience, and you've been entrusted with all kinds of gifts that he gives to us on a regular basis. He has trusted with those with you, and he says to you the same thing that he said to these men, go and put them to work. Go engage them. Go engage them faithfully because here's the thing. God resources us and then he calls us to be co-creators with him in the world around us. This is part of your divine image is that you actually become a co-creator with God in the world around you with what he has been, what, with what he has resourced you with and he says go and put this to work and then he holds us responsible for our faithfulness to what we have been given. Now, does anyone ever feel in this, though, that God has impossible standards? Let's be honest, right? Do you ever feel like God's looking at your life and just going, right? <laughs> like, oh, man, right? Oh, man. After all, he is God, right? And you would think that when he says, hey, here's all the resources that you need to go live a life beyond what you could ever ask or imagine, and he says, go and be faithful with it, you would think that he would look at us and, and he would just be shaking his head at, at, at us. See, in this context, he gave each person 10 minutes, right? Now, here's the thing. One minute is about three months' worth of wages. So on a low end, he gave them each about $90,000, and said, go put this to work in some way, shape, or form. The first servant comes back and he says, hey, I took your 10 minutes and I got 10 back, right? And you know what God said about that? He said, that is good. And you were faithful. So he says about that, that is good. And then he looks at the guy with the one minute that he gave the second time. And, he, and the guy says, oh, I came back with five minutes. Now, I imagine the guy with five minutes after the guy with 10 minutes had just given his, he was kind of like, oh, man, right? Like, that, that dude got 10 times back on his reward. I, the poor five guy was probably feeling really good about his five times return, right? I mean, if you got five times return on your money, you'd probably be feeling good about it, right? Until you look at the guy with 10 and you're like, oh, man, right? <laughs> but God, in this context, Jesus looks at it and he says, good, thank you. Good and faithful to this. So what we do know is that when God is looking at the return on investments, he is not asking the question of how big is the return. He's not saying who has the biggest return on investment. We know that he's actually asking and looking for a different metric in how he measures this element. See, simply returning what you have, third guy, that's what he called wicked. Strange, right? How does this math work up? I mean, he didn't lose money. He didn't, he didn't squander it. He didn't come back and say, hey, I got a cry. we had a crazy party. Sorry, I will get back to you. He actually said, here's your money back. And God says, you are wicked. How does this math actually add up? Because I, I think this actually shows us how God relates to faithfulness. Have you ever noticed that there are a lot of people out in the world around you that are way more talented than you? Isn't it so annoying? 
It's just annoying, right? It's annoying when you're like, man, I, look at me. I'm, I, I like, I'm learning how to shoot hoops. And then the guy comes around and he's like super more, way more talented than you. Or you're like, man, I, I just, just got going in business and look how much money I'm making. And then the guy comes beside you and you're like, oh yeah, I got 10 times that. You're like, how'd that happen, right? Well, I remember, look, if you're a guitar player, never go to a Christian college because you will feel awesome until you get there and you realize every dude on campus can play guitar and can swoon every girl on campus. <laughs> I thought I was hot stuff until I got to Cal Baptist University and realized, oh, everyone else does this way better than me. <laughs> because it's annoying when you look around and you look around and you see that there are people who are better than you, who are taller than you, who are more intelligent than you, who are more fit than you, who are more educated than you, who are wealthier than you. And it seems to be that the entire basis of our society is that our talent and our ability is measured against other people's talents and ability. So we take a look at how talented are you? Well, you're more talented than that person and less talented than that person. You have more to offer than them, but less to offer than them. We'll pay you this much based on your talent, but not as this much because you're not as good as this person over here. And it seems that we're constantly being compared to other people. And we find ourselves here often that our talent is measured against other people. And here's the thing. We assume that God does the exact same thing with us, that he's comparing us to the person sitting next to us, or that he's comparing us to the person who has done it better or has their life together or who's a screw-up over here in the context of this. But we actually know that isn't true. Otherwise, he would have told the guy with 10 minutes, good job, faithful servant. But he would have told the guy with five Oh, man, you blew it. Where's the 10, right? But he looks at the guy with 10, and he says, that's good, too. You've also been faithful. Well done, my good and faithful servant in that. See, God will never, ever look at your life and compare it to others. He will never look at your life and say, what have you done compared to this person over here? He will never compare you to your parents or your spouse or your kids or your siblings or your coworkers. He won't compare you to me or the person sitting next to you. He will never, ever ask you the question, why are you not like them? But he will always measure you with how faithful you've been with what you have been given. He'll always just look at that and say, hey, are you actually being faithful with what I have placed in your possessions? See, here's the beautiful thing about the story of these three investors is what they were given was a resource and a charge. They were each given 10 minutes, one minutes, and they were given a charge to go and put this to work. And God gives us the exact same thing. He gives us the resources, and then he gives us the charge. He says, here's everything you need. Now go put it to work. And this is why a 10 times return and a five times return in God's eyes can be equally good because they were both equally faithful with what they were given. They were both saying, look, I am going to go out there and I'm going to work with what I have been given. And what God is looking at is, were you faithful with it? Did you at least continue to do the thing I've asked you over and over and over? Because God is not interested in some type of a cosmic talent contest. That's not what he's up to. What God's up to is a search for who in this kingdom is faithful and who in this kingdom will take the resource and the charge that I've placed inside of them and go engage in it? See, of these investors, two were called faithful and one was called wicked and lazy. 
And he tells God why he did not do anything with the money that he was given. He says, because you were hard. And essentially, he says, you're unfair. Because you get money that wasn't actually yours. And so that's not fair in this. Notice the first two didn't have that view. The first few didn't view God as some unfair, unjust, unloving God who was hard on them. They were all given the same amount, but the perspective that they had on who God was and what he was looking for changed their behavior and how they actually engaged the world around them. See, for the first two, their perspective allowed them to faithfully go after and invest and fully work what they had been given. But God said to the third, look, I would have been totally cool if you just put it in a savings account and you got a little bit of investment back. At least you would be working what I've been given you. See, in reality, I'm not interested in how big the return on investment is. I'm interested in your faithfulness with the investments. I'm interested in will you do the right thing over and over and over again, working with what I've been given you in this moment. I'm not interested in your talent. I'm interested in your trustworthiness with what you have been placed in your hands. See, the third man here projected onto God that he was unfair and hard on others. And that ended up transforming his decisions on what he did with what he was given, and in that he becomes unfaithful to what he had been given. See, you can live your life blaming God and others as to why you aren't living the life that you were designed for, called for, and resourced to live, but in the end, it will leave you empty and bitter. And it will leave you wanting. Constantly blaming everyone and everything else as to why you didn't get what you needed or as to why your life didn't turn out the way that it was supposed to or as to why everything sucks for you but looks really beautiful for other people. You can spend your life blaming God and other people, but the fact of the matter is is that God has resourced you just like he has resourced this person next to you, and what he's asking you is, will you be faithful with what you have been given? See, I'm not comparing you to the person to your left or your right, but you may be comparing yourself to the person to your left or to your right, and that may be determining what you see as faithful. See, until you are willing to engage in faithful living, your future will continue to slip out of your hands. Until you are willing to engage faithfulness, this this spiritual element fully, your future will continue to feel like something that is elusive or it's something that's coming at you rather than something that you are creating in front of you. See, and here's the thing. Jesus makes this very pointed statement. He says, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But the one who has nothing, what even they have will be taken away. Now, that doesn't seem very fair, right? This doesn't seem very popular. It's not an economic proclamation here that God is making about how to handle the lazy. He's saying, look, that the natural result of being unfaithful with what you have been given is loss and devastation every single time. If you are unwilling to be faithful with the resource and the charge that has been placed in your hand, the natural result will be scarcity. 
And you will live a life with the perspective that there is not enough and I wasn't given what I needed and my cards were dealt to me in a really bad way and I can never get ahead from that space. And when you are unfaithful in your relationships with your body, with your thoughts, with your actions, with your words, with your time, with your money, with your energy, the natural result will always be loss and devastation. It is just given in the way that the world has designed. See, a life without faith will certainly limit you, but a life without faithfulness will destroy you. But those who are faithful will find themselves be given more. Not because God's like, I like you better, but because he's saying, oh, anything that I give you, you will go put it to work. You're not gonna hold it back in a sense of scarcity or not enough in this conversation. See, here's the beautiful thing. Faithfulness acts like a time machine. That's actually what it acts like. I want you to actually, when you hear the word faithfulness, I would love for you today just to think of it like, oh, that is my time machine. Because here's the thing. Faithfulness teleports you to a very specific future. It actually secures your future in the present, and then it guarantees that that is the future that you will have in front of you. See, at a very basic level, let's just take this at a very basic economic level. If you decide today, look, I'm cutting out Starbucks, right? And I'm going to take that money and I'm going to put it in a savings account. Guess what? In a week, you'll have more money than you had today. Crazy how that works, right? I know it seems wild. It seems like a crazy spiritual concept. But that's at a basic level what we're talking about here. At a basic level, you sacrifice and are generous with God and save money now. And your future will somehow be resourced when you get there. On the flip side, how many of you have ever got on the scale, looked at the number, and you're like, oh, yep, I made the decision about this number two weeks ago? Don't, don't, don't act like you don't know what you're talking about, right? How many of you ever got on the scale and you were like, oh, yeah, there's that pizza and there was that eating McDonald's and there was that ice cream and there was that other thing and there was that... T- you know, don't act like you know what I'm talking about, right? Because you were like, look, I secured this future weeks ago, right? Yes. Because I was unfaithful in my commitment, and now I find myself here in this very specific future that I created. See, my choices transported me to this very unfortunate future that I am now living in here. See, here's the thing. You choose love, you choose grace, you choose forgiveness in your relationships when things are hard today, you will find yourself surrounded by community tomorrow. It's a guarantee. You live with righteousness and integrity today. When things are calling you into other things, you will find yourself living with an unshakable foundation tomorrow. You find yourself taking your thoughts captive here and now when they feel out of control. You will find yourself with greater levels of peace and clarity tomorrow. See, faith is what you need here and now to make it count Faithfulness is what you need to actually create the future that is in front of you. Every decision, every action, every word, every engagement, every giving or withholding is shaping the world that you will live in tomorrow. And it is all your choice into how you engage this level of faithfulness. See, one of the things that, I, I, I love mystery. I love, the, I, I love holding the mystery of the scriptures and the mystery of God. And, and there's so much that feels like unknown when, in my relationship with God. 
But the thing that I do love is that he's actually created a pretty predictable universe for us. And then he's given us like a playbook that says, when you do this, this is going to happen. When you do this, this is going to happen. When you don't do this, this is not going to happen. When you don't do this, this is going to happen. And he's like, now be faithful. I've charged you to go be faithful with what you've been given. And here's the thing. When you start learning the spiritual relationship between cause and effect, you actually start unlocking the pathway towards the future that your soul longs for. You actually start opening up the pathway towards the tomorrow that you know you were made for, and the future is unlocked one faithful decision after the next. See, because faith is how you meet God in the present, but faithfulness is how you meet God in the future. And it is in the future that God does the miraculous in and around us. See, I find that we want God to meet us in our faith, but we oftentimes step into a circumstance right now and say, just God change the circumstance. I have faith that you'll move mountains, and I have faith that you'll put the devil under my feet, and I have faith that I'm the head and not the tail, right? All that stuff right now here in the moment. And then we also want God to bring us some fullness in the moment, and we struggle like with, God, I just need, if I just got another thousand dollars, if you just changed them, if you just gave me some more of this here and now, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. See, but I wonder if God's response in those prayers is, Absolutely, if you're willing to be faithful. If you're willing to just make the right decision over and over and over and over, and if we would just be willing to make the next right decision right in front of us, God might say, I will make the path, but you're gonna pave it with all of your faithfulness over and over and over again. But it's hard because faithfulness generally requires a fair degree of discomfort and sacrifice. It's gross, right? It generally requires that because here's the thing. We live in a generation where nothing should be uncomfortable. And in fact, if it's uncomfortable or if it's hard, there's no way it could be from God. Like if something, if, we, if, if there's something in front of us and we're like, oh, that's difficult, that's gonna be slightly uncomfortable, that's gonna mess with my identity, that's gonna mess with who I am, that's gonna mess with how I see my world, that's gonna mess with how I frame things, that's gonna mess with my finances, that's gonna mess with my relationship, that's gonna mess with my mental health, that's gonna mess with my emotional health, that's gonna mess with my physical health, any of that, we're like, no, 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 that certainly could not be from God. Hell, we live in a generation where things shouldn't even be awkward. And if they're awkward, then of course they couldn't be from God in the middle of all of that. And then we wonder, why for so many of us, our, for, our future feels so insecure? Why, why not only our personal future feels so insecure, but the future of our country and our state and our nation and the world around us feels like it's on shaky ground because we're not willing to make the hard decisions that feel uncomfortable or that are awkward or that call us to sacrifice because surely that couldn't be God. And we mock televangelists who tell us that God wants us to be healthy, wealthy, and happy, but our lives would say that Jesus never would want to inconvenience me. How is that any different? See, to the person, to become the person that God dreams of, to step into the future that you were made 
to create alongside of him, through him, with him, in his power, it's going to require heartbreak. It's going to require striving. It's going to require wrestling. And it's going to require sleeplessness. It's going to require pain. Because anything that is God-sized will come with a challenge. It will come with all of those. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus says, my spirit will meet you right in the middle of that. In those sleepless nights when you are wrestling through that next decision that you have to make, he says, I will meet you right there. When it feels so painful that you are just weeping with overwhelm about how can I continue to move forward in this integrity when it feels so much easier to cop out over here, he will comfort you in your mourning. When it feels like it is so hard and it is impossible to take a next step and you will not be able to move forward, he will surround you by community that will strengthen, encourage, and comfort you to move forward into the future that he designed you to create, not just for you, but for everyone else around you. See, I wonder if we never actually experience God showing up in a very powerful way because we never actually engage a faithful life where we actually need him to show up in a powerful way. And it is in the wrestling with God and the faithfulness that it opens up so much possibility. See, Jesus says this to us in Luke chapter 16. He says, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with uh, someone else's property, who, uh, who will give you property of your own? See, Jesus says, look, if I can trust you with the small stuff now, if you're faithful with the little that you have been given, tomorrow I will trust you with much. See, he says, look, if you can be trusted with 10 minutes today and you bring back, there's a 10 minutes return, guess what? I will trust you with 10 cities tomorrow. He says, if I can trust you with 10 minutes and you come back with five minutes, I can trust you with five cities tomorrow. If I can trust you with influencing that one person in your life, look, I know, I know you want to be a motivational speaker and I know you want to have impact on other people, but if you can just influence this one person that's in front of you and invest in this one person and give to them fully, then I'll open up more influence for you. But I got to see if you're faithful with this one first. I think this is why Jesus talks a lot about money, why it is a big deal for him in a lot of these conversations. See, because what he's saying is not like, hey, I, I, I have this weird relationship to wealth. What he's saying, look, is if you can be trusted with stewarding something as simple as money, I can trust you with true riches. I can trust you with people. I can trust you with influence. I can trust you with cities and communities and I can trust you with leadership. And so money doesn't become the pathway to more money. Being faithful with our money becomes the pathway to even greater levels of resource when we're willing to be faithful. It's interesting because people come to humanity all the time with their giant spiritual resume, and they'll come to me and say, hey, I've done a lot of things, kind of a big deal in the church world, uh, I would love to lead worship for you. 
I'd love to preach on a Sunday morning. If you're looking at someone who just could like lead a ministry, and I'm not talking about people here, I'm just talking about people that come in from the outside and they look at it, I like what's going on over there, here's my resume. And we have like a policy here at Humanity Church where we just say, hey, love it. Love the resume, love all the awesomeness. Here's what I'd love you to do. You wanna lead worship here? Would you be willing for the next six weeks to come just wrap up cables with us? You wanna run all of our family ministries? Would you be willing to just go serve with our babies for at least three months? We need some more people there. Oh, you, you, wanna, you wanna like pastor our community? Awesome. Would you be willing to plug into a humanity group and just give yourself fully there for at least six months just to be influential with the people there? And I can't tell you how many times people hear that and hang their head and walk out the door because they're looking for a future that they don't have to create. They're looking for a tomorrow that doesn't have to be paved with faithfulness. And the whole time God is saying, I don't care about your talent. We can find talented people. I don't care about how much ability you have or how awesome you are. What I care about is are you willing to be faithful with the little that you've been given? Because if I can trust you with that, I can trust you with cities. See, while faith is big and obvious and fullness is awesome and and inspiring, faithfulness is less exciting, but it will secure a future. And you are here today because of someone else's faithfulness. You are here today because someone secured a future for you. One decision at a time over the other. One after another, after another, after another. And someone just did the right thing over and over and over again for you so that you could be here. And the beautiful thing is that this is what God does for us. God will never ask you to do something that he hasn't already done for you. That you are here today because God has been faithful over and over and over and over again. Even when we are unfaithful, he continues to give his goodness and his beauty and his peace and his love and his joy and his kindness over and over and over again. And it's because of his faithfulness that our spiritual future is secured. And then he calls us to be co-creators with him in our faithfulness. It's often interesting to me that this parable has been looked at with these three investors as a metaphor for the end of our lives, for death. That at the end of our lives, here on this earth, in this physical form, God will look at what we have been given, and he will look at the charge that he has placed in front of us, and he will ask the same question, what have you done with what I have given you? And his response to these men's investments really tells you what he values the most. Because in Matthew, when Matthew tells this parable, this is how Jesus replies to them. He says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Of all the adjectives that Jesus could use to describe his joy in us, his encouragement in us, his like delight in us. 
of all of the adjectives that he could use, he chooses faithful. Notice he doesn't say, well done, my good and powerful servant. He doesn't say, my good and righteous servant. He doesn't say, my good and joyful servant or my good and loving service. What God says is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because that's what he's looking for. And see, this should be actually really, really good news for all of us. Because what God is not looking for you from you is to be the best. He's not looking for you to like master a craft so that you can find your way in. He's not looking for you to earn your way into something. The only thing that he is asking of you, he's saying, are you faithful with the charge in front of you and the resources that I have been given to you? And at the end of the day, he does not say, well done, good and talented. Well done, good and better than anyone else. Well done and earned a lot of money. He says, well done, good and faithful. Because that's what he is looking for in us. And if you don't know what to do, take Anna's advice from Frozen 2 and just do the next right thing. Look, I'm serious. This is the beauty of this faithfulness today is as you are walking in the spirit and you're like, I don't know what to do. My life in this area is a mess. I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I don't know where to go. I feel like I don't see a pathway out or I've been in this cycle for years and I have the same breakdown over and over again. Guess what? It's not super complicated. Just figure out from the Lord or in the context of community from the Lord, what's the next right thing that I need to do? What's the next right thing that I need to do? And here's the thing. You don't even need to know the next step. You just need to do that step over and over and over and over again. Isn't that crazy? This is how people make billions of dollars in the weight loss industry. Because look, it's really simple at times. And if you do the thing over and over and over and over again, you get results. But we like to complicate things. We like to make things messy. When God's just saying, do the next right thing. Again, and again, and again, and again. And it will secure your future. That person that you're struggling with, forgive and then forgive again, and then forgive again, and then forgive again, and then forgive again. That thing that you're struggling with, resist, and then resist, and then resist, and then resist, and then resist. That anxiety and that depression that you're struggling with, find a community that you can be in where you can live in the light and just speak that out over and over and over and over and over and over again. That struggle that you're having with your finances or with your health or with something physical around you, figure out the next right thing and just do it over and over and over again. You get the picture, right? It's not that complicated. And as we do that, you will watch a future unfold in front of you. And you will be teleported into a tomorrow that looks exponentially more beautiful than today because you made the next right decision over and over and over again. But here's the thing. It actually requires you being connected to his voice. This isn't like, what's the next moral thing to do? This isn't like the next, what's the, like the, the nice thing or what, what, like the next thing in the 12-step plan or whatever. It's not that. It's, what is his voice telling me that I'm to step into right now? And how can I do that every day, every moment? And his voice may come 
from your time in the scriptures. His voice may come from the context of being in a humanity group and having someone speak that over you. It may just be a still small voice that he's like, hey, here's your next step, just keep doing this. And your response may be, that seems so simple. And he goes, I know, that's all I want from you. Just do it over and over because your faithfulness will secure your future. Let's pray. Jesus, we pause and we recognize your faithfulness to us. I thank you that not only have you just been faithful from the beginning, but we can look back to a moment in time where you chose the cross and you chose death and you chose resurrection and you chose wholeness for us. And we are the fruit of that faithfulness. God, we thank you that you have been so good and so much and that you secured a future for us that we are living in today because of your faithfulness. And we are, we are the fruit of your faithfulness. And so Jesus, today we take on this fruit of faithfulness. We look to you as the voice who speaks into our soul, our mind, our hearts. Would you give us the next step God, I just pray that everyone in the room now, that even, even this week, that you would just give them just the one next step that they are called to in the relationship, in their own integrity, in their finances, in their health, God, in their spiritual journey, in their wholeness, in their addiction. God, and would you give them the courage, the strength, the creativity, the resilience to just keep doing that over and over and over again. We thank you that it is in your strength and your power that we can live faithfully. And this morning, if you're here with us live or if you're online and you have not yet connected to Jesus, this is gonna be impossible without him. It will just be impossible. This will just be like a, a dream that your heart makes. If, if you don't have him, this will just be nice, wishful thinking. And so this morning, if you're not yet connected to Jesus or if maybe you've, you've been disconnected from him for a long time, this morning is your moment just to get connected to him again because it's in his power that you can live a faithful life. And if that's you this morning, I want you just to look up at me and you're like, hey, I'm ready to connect to Jesus we're just gonna keep our eyes closed, head bowed right now. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to look up at me. And I want you to pray this prayer. They're not magic words. They're not anything crazy. This is just you connecting to Jesus. I want you just to pray, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I am broken. And I know that you died for me and that you came back to life so that I could be free from that brokenness. And so I choose to be faithful to you today. I make you Lord as you have been faithful to me. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at 
www.humanitychurch.com.